Hello and welcome to another episode of the So Leadership Podcast. If you're new here or this is the first time you're tuning in, it's great to have you here and a part of our leadership community. Each month we release a new episode um, and all these episodes are really about helping us grow to be a generation of leaders that are equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we are doing. And so in this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. We are coming towards the midpoint of the year and there's been a lot of questions that have been flying around throughout the year related to leading, particularly at So, but just in general as well. And so what we want to do for this episode in the, the month of May, um, it is now, in the month of May, we want to do what we're going to call a, a Q&A episode or a question and answer session for those who are not familiar with the term. And so Today, what we're going to unpack is a couple of questions that you have sent in. And when I say we, I'm actually joined here in the studio by a great mate of mine and also another leader here at So, James Lee. James, welcome to the show, mate. It's great to be here. I love it. It's exciting to have you along. For those who don't know, James, James has been a part of So for a number of years. He served in a number of different capacities as student leader, as a president at SoUCID. He's now the campus coordinator for SoUCID. And he's also had a, a, a number of experiences leading in other areas such as youth camps and leading praise teams and things like that. So he's going to help me today to answer some of the questions that you've sent in. I know, James, you're, you're passionate about leadership and you're passionate about helping others to lead. Um, tell us a little bit more about um, that. I mean, your, your passion, your excitement in doing that. What do you enjoy about that sort of thing? Yeah, I think, um, firstly, again, it's, it's awesome to be here. Um, I think one of the things that really, I guess, gets me going is to see the people I've led really excel and step up. So for example, my boy, William Rowe, he's the current UCID yeah. president right now. Um, you know, he was in my REAP group when I was only in my second year of uni. And you know, he was this kind of this new bloke who was, who didn't really, you know, come to weekly meeting and stuff and look at him now in his third year, you know, taking, taking hold of UCID as the president. And, and it's, it's so good to see that happening this year. And so, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it. yeah, awesome. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's why we we um, we both love serving at So and and being in the roles that we're in. Um, and Will Rowe, there you go. Shout out on the So Leadership <laughs> podcast from James Lee. Well, we're going to dive straight into the content, James. Um, and I'm going to throw the first question to you um, because I know it's something that you've thought about before and something that you're passionate about. And the question from one of our listeners is this: What are some ways? I can lead by example at so. How would you, you answer that question? Yeah, there are so many ways we could answer this question, but I'd focus on three particular things um, that I'd, I'd kind of extrapolate on. And so the first thing uh, would be engaging with people. Mm. And it's very sounds very simple, but it is so vital and important as leaders. And uh, when you're engaging with people, one of the aspects that, you know, all leaders should be kind of aiming for is to be accountable to people. Mm. This is something that is so relevant to people uh, when they finish uni as well, being accountable to, you know, when you get married and when you have kids and um, being able to do that throughout your, your lifetime is so important. And so what does being accountable to someone actually mean? And that pretty much means practically is you're consistently seeing and meeting how 
the person, whoever you're meeting is going, mm. seeing if they've been taken care of well, seeing if they're okay. You can have fun with them as well, um, all sorts of things and seeing how they are growing closer to God or even if they don't even know God yet, you're just being a good mate to them and uh, just kind of taking care of them and seeing how they're going. Mm. Um, and also a different setting would be as, as someone to lead by example in so particularly is to have a inclusive approach when you're in certain settings yeah. um, at. So for example, if you're at the forum or, or at a weekly meeting dinner or even in your reap groups, um, you know, in these situations, you're generally just chatting with, with a group of people and generally these conversations are quite light or they're quite fun. Um, and I want to ask you, ask you guys some questions where do you guys see yourself, I guess, not see yourself, but do you see others feeling left out or they're kind mm. of left out of, yeah. of the group or do you become too involved in a, in a certain conversation that you don't even know that there are some people who are left out? Um, and so this is, I guess, a big example that um, can be kind of... Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think just, just to jump in there, yeah. one thing that, that you mentioned which I really liked was... The, the aspect of, of people, I know in, in our episode with Delaney yeah. a couple of months ago, he said that ministry really is about, um, or a big part of it is about caring for people. Mm. Um, and so I love that. I love what you're saying about, you know, thinking about the person who's perhaps an outsider um, or caring for the people that you relate to and just encouraging them, asking them how they're going. So that's a really good point. So the first one there about, you know, engaging with people mm. really, really well. What else would you, would you say in terms of leading by example? Yeah, I think um, another one would be putting the theory into practice. And so the things you learn within, so um, how do you actually apply it into your personal lives? Right, yeah. And so a good question to ask, ask yourself is, how do I reflect Christ in my life outside of so and church? Um, and so are you checking up on your friends from high school? Are you checking mm. up or hanging out with your friends from uni? Um, are you putting in, the, putting in the work in your workplace? Are you studying diligently as excellence is one of the core values of so? Are you putting in the work when you're studying? And, you know, I'm not saying you have to, you know, in the next two weeks, you're going to make 10,000 friends, you know, in uni. No, that's, what I'm, that's not what I'm saying, but... Um, it's something that we as Christians should always consider that when we look at our circles in our life, are the only people in our life just Christians? And mm. I think that's so important to recognize that, you know, when we live this life out and we, you know, when we leave so, you know, most of us are only going to be staying in so for what, three to five years max. And when we leave, we're going to be, you know, approached by the world. You know, <laughs> it's the yeah. world that we're talking about. And when we go into the world, it's... It's just, it's different. And yeah. Nodge, do you want to add something to that? Yeah, no, I mean, I just thought as, as you were saying that it was really um, poignant because, I mean, for me, me personally, I've moved now from mm. being in uni into the workplace yeah. and I realized putting that theoretical knowledge of what we learned at so into practice, it's something that I wish I had done when I was in uni, mm. uh, when I was um, leading in, in a more, um, I guess, direct way um, on our campuses is putting into practice, particularly how to engage with non-Christians. I mean, you're talking about engaging with non-Christians and, and having different friend circles and things like that as one way. And starting full-time work, I realized that because it's such a different world. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a connection between what we learn, which is a lot of good stuff here at So, 
and actually living it out, putting it into practice. So that's, I just mm. thought that was a really good point that you made there as well. Yeah. Could I just add to that as well? Um, I think, you know, I, I think as, as Christians, we can fall into the mindset of like, uh, you know, when we are with a non-Christian, um, how can we relate to a non-Christian? Mm. And I think a very simple answer to that is just to be their friend, mm. hang out with them, have fun with them. You don't need to Bible bash them. Yeah. And one big way to show Christ's love and light to these people is to be their friend. Because, you know, when Christ came, came, came to the world, he became, he, he became a friend to the, to the disciples that mm. he was with. Mm. And so I think that's something that's really important. Yeah. And thirdly is, again, very simple, um, is to be encouraging to people. I think there is a tendency uh, within so where... Uh, we can be heavily banterous and heavily yeah. into the fun stuff, which is great because I love to banter. Me too. <laughs> but at the same time, there needs to be a strong balance between you know bantering and having fun, but also encouraging people in general. And encouragement shouldn't feel awkward for the Christian, but it should be something that they desire to do. And so this is very linked with my first point of engaging with people, especially when it comes to accountability as well, and also mm-hmm. in group settings. You know, when you're having conversations with people, um, it's it's very okay to just ask like, hey, how's your faith going these days? And how have you found COVID this, this week? Yeah. Things like that. I think that's so okay to bring up in just conversations mm. that just pass by. Um, yeah, I think that's really yeah. important. Yeah. So I guess the, the, the three things in summary, number one, engaging with people well, mm. um, doing that well. Number two, practically living out what mm-hmm. we learn. And number three, being encouragement, mm-hmm. um, encouraging people and, and ensuring um, that we're, we're, we're making that a, a normal part of our com- communication yeah. and conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so there's, there are three key ways. I, I love some of those um, points that you put in there. Um, but let's kind of go to, I guess, the next question, which really mm. ties in with one thing that you just said. I mean, you just talked about the importance of leading by example by putting into practice what you learn and mm. um, what you know. And part of that is living it out or conducting yourself in a way which is, I guess, in line with the things that you learn and the things that you profess. And yeah. That's not just in terms of what you do, but also how you speak, how you convey an opinion. Mm. And this next question kind of ties in with that where it says, how do you tell another leader that you disagree with their opinion and rebuke them about their conduct. So I guess it's, it's mm. sort of connected there because we want to lead by example at so. And then what happens if a leader's not doing that? How do you, um, I guess, rebuke them or, or, or share your concern that what they're saying or what they're doing is not in line with what they should be doing or saying? Mm. Mm. I think a practical thing that can be done is if you as a fellow leader recognize that you know, your other leader has done, has done something that is concerning or you think is wrong, um, it is very okay for you to pull them aside and have a one-on-one conversation mm. with them and discuss, you know, what was their motives in acting out that way or saying something like that um, and trying to figure out why they did that. And mm. I think your approach should always be, I'm not trying, your approach, sh- sorry, your approach shouldn't be, um, I need to beat this person in this argument. Mm, yeah, Your approach absolutely. should be, I want to work this out with you because you're my fellow leader, but also, you know, you're my fellow brother or sister that I'm leading with. And I want to, mm. I want to work this out with you kind of approach. Mm. And so I think that's a mentality that you have to have mm. 
when you come into these conversations. Yeah. Um, did you want to add to that? Yeah. Well? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think just further to that point, I think what you said was really good about um, the attitude that we come with. I mean, I know mm. for me, look, I'm just going to be completely honest. We mm. love transparency <laughs> here on the podcast. Um, for me, it's really easy to, to form an opinion or to form a view that someone's doing or saying something wrong and mm. to come to that conversation in a way that's trying to prove to them, help them understand that what they're doing is right. I'm mm. sorry, is, is not right or it's, it's wrong or it's, it's at least done um, in a way that's not conducive or not helpful. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes that might be helpful. I mean, there's some times where they actually need to know because maybe objectively things um, that have been done are, are wrong. But I think for a, a number of um, circumstances, we want to come with that open-handed sort of attitude mm. where we come and we say, hey, look, this is not about me um, trying to you know, bash you into the ground and make you force, force you to confess that you've done something wrong and, and to step away from mm. um, sharing your opinions because we want to create a culture where people can share their opinion um, mm. and we can have a healthy disagreement um, of opinion between leaders in, in the right setting. Mm. So I think having that open-handed approach by saying, hey, let me understand you better. Let me understand where you're coming from. Let me understand what you're going through. Let me understand the reasonings behind what you do. Um, I think is an important aspect of um, having that conversation. Um, so you come to them with that, with that open hand, that sense of, hey, I, I want to work, as you said, I want to work mm. through this together rather than trying to make sure that they understand that you're right and they're wrong or, yeah. or what have you. Yeah. And to add to that as well, I think it's very much up to the president and vice president to, from the very get-go, create an environment for the leaders where they can feel like they feel safe in sharing what they want to share. You know, whether they're in a leadership meeting or an exec meeting and say one leader actually does disagree with something that was brought up, they shouldn't feel scared or um, a bit jittery, like, oh, can I bring this up kind yeah. of attitude. That yeah. that shouldn't be the case where it's, it's upon you know, the president and vice president to, you know, let, let the leaders know like, hey, this is a place where we can give feedback as well. It's not just me and the vice president just kind of hoarding you guys and standing mm. above you guys, but it's, it's a space where all on the same level. Mm. Uh, we just have different roles and we just want to be bouncing off each other with feedback. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really important yeah. from the get-go. Awesome, yeah. yeah. I think just one last thing I'd add with that question. I think it's a really good question. And the question specifies how do you tell another leader or how do you have that conversation as we've been talking about but I think one step behind that is being able to step away before you have that conversation mm. and really examine what's actually going on sometimes what you're going to be speaking to them about is something where you know the bible clearly says hey do not do this or you should be doing this and so it's relatively straightforward where it's like okay hey we need to help them understand you know what scripture teaches other times particularly when it comes to opinions and and like you said sharing that opinion in in the right space it can it can be a case of not necessarily being right and wrong mm. but more about manner and how it's been done yeah. and so before you have that conversation you want to make it very clear in your own heart in your own mind what exactly we need to address because sometimes yeah. people say things that are factually correct mm. but they've said it in a wrong in the wrong way yeah. they've said it with the wrong tone in the wrong context mm. in the wrong space in front of the wrong people maybe 
Um, and so we want to make sure that before we even have that conversation, we've taken the time to step back, think through what we're, we're thinking about and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have an understanding in our hearts and our minds about what's needing to be addressed and then have that conversation still with an open hand and a conducive, in a conducive manner mm-hmm. um, to help restore them or to rebuke them where necessary or to reconcile where needed as well. Yeah. So that's a great question. I, I love that, yes. that question. Yeah. Cool. We'll move on to the next question. Um, it goes like this. There seems to be a mindset at so where leaders serve their term and move on or disappear. This leaves a gap in mentorship from older members to younger mentors and the support network for new leaders is broken. So how can we avoid this? Anonj, what are your thoughts? Great question. <laughs> I, um, I really love this question. And yeah. the reason why I love it is this. I think this question shows a real heart um, for, for the younger members that are coming mm. through. Um, I think when we ask this question about, you know, how can we mentor these other leaders, we want to be having those older leaders around and we want to be yeah. thinking about how we can um, keep them engaged. So it's a great question. It shows that we're thinking um, a lot more broadly about the mentoring of the leaders that mm. um, we have and, and of ourselves as well. So to answer that question, um, in the last episode, um, the second part of, of our Leading Through Uncertainty uncertainty series. Um, we explored, one of the aspects we explored was how to address issues that have arisen in a creative manner. And we gave four questions. Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through each of those four questions for this um, particular question to answer this question here, mm. but it's something that I've done outside of this time um, and it's helpful with the answer I'm about to share now. But I encourage you to, to do that um, because some of these answers are, are some of these reasons and these issues are specific to specific campuses and, and cultures that mm. we are leading in. But let's get straight into the, the, the question then. How can we avoid this? And I want to talk about two things. I think there's two things that we need to do. Firstly, we need to identify why people, quote unquote, move on or disappear. Mm. And then we need to get to the point where we can think about, okay, how can we do things that combat that? Um, So the first point there about how do we identify or being able to identify the why? Um, James, I don't know if if you've seen it as well, but I think there are a number of reasons why I've seen people do their term, serve their term and then move on. Um, and it's not just because that's just what they do. I think we, when we say that, that's the surface level sort of answer. But we want to get to a deeper understanding as well um, of why people leave. And sometimes the answer to that question is not going to be not going to have a direct solution. So I know for me, um, I know some people who have led and served in various roles, and then they've graduated and they've moved on to full time work, um, and. In that space, it's hard to be physically present at so, um, maybe physically present at all at so, mm-hmm. and so they're not able to, to be involved in, a, in, in much of a physical capacity um, once they've moved on in that sphere. Alternatively, other people, they serve and then they see a need in their church um, and they realise, you know, I've learnt so much from so, it's time to put it back into my church and mm-hmm. I want to invest there. And that's something that um, I guess as a parachurch ministry, we have to understand that, that the yeah. local church is the priority. Mm-hmm. And so we, we want to um, be able to identify that, but also accept that, that sometimes that's going to happen. And there's not a whole lot we can do, particularly when it comes to keeping them physically present and engaged. That's so. Yeah. But I want to highlight two reasons why people leave, which I've seen. Um, maybe, James, you, you might want to add in uh, if there's any other reasons or examples of where you've seen it as well. 
two reasons why people might leave um, and two things we can do about it. So two reasons why people might leave. I think firstly, it's it saddens me to say, but I've seen a lot of people maybe not a lot of people, but some people who have served their term, but they've got to the end of their term being really, really exhausted. Mm. They've kind of spent the last three, four, five months just looking forward to that end date where they can drop everything, where they can be free of the responsibilities or the the obligations they have. And they're just super exhausted or maybe even burnt out. And Mm. they come to that end of their term and they say, look, I'm I'm done. I need a break from serving, particularly maybe at so. Um, And so they they leave. Even if they're still at uni, maybe they leave and they move on. And another reason, um, which is sometimes I think overlooked, but I think is a very real reason, is sometimes it's just a little bit awkward to Mm. stick around after you've led. Um, I know, James, maybe you can attest this as well, but um, when, when you're a leader, it's hard to then switch off that leader mindset mm. and just uh, be a regular member. Yeah. That's not to say that we shouldn't encourage that. I mean, we'd love for people to stay and be p- members and be part of the community even after they've served, but sometimes that's really hard. Yeah. I know I've heard of stories of pastors who've retired um, and they've found it really tough because they've led the church for 15, 20, 30 years mm. and they've now retired and handed the leadership over and it's hard to wrestle because the changes come in and it's it's difficult. And I think that's present to some degree even in, in some of our leaders where yeah. they're kind of floating around and they're, they're just ordinary members sitting in the congregation in our weekly meetings, but it just feels a little bit uncomfortable mm. and a little bit awkward. And so I think um, they're probably the two big reasons why um, I think people don't stick around. Mm. Um, and so then we can then get to the question of, well, how can we avoid it? Particularly with those two reasons, if we find that those are the two reasons why um, people are leaving. I think number one is we want to encourage a healthy culture of sustainable serving. Yeah. This year, we've talked a lot about that at so, particularly in our leadership meetings, about serving sustainably, creating the right structures to help that. Maybe it's about reducing the number of contact hours people have mm. or making sure that if people um, have a lot of contact hours, they maybe have less to do outside of those contact hours. Managing people within the right structures. Mm. Also having the right conversations about different ways to, to be sustainable, to serve sustainably. Um, mm. I think all of those things can, can encourage a culture of sustainable serving which mm. then helps people get to the end of the year and say, you know what, if I wanted to, I could do this again. Mm. Because there's nothing better than getting, to the, than getting to the end of a year and having a president or vice president saying, I could do presidency or vice presidency again. Mm. Because even if they don't do that, having that desire and that capacity can be utilized to a great extent in being a mentor for older members or, mm. or younger leaders, et cetera, et cetera. And so creating that culture of sustainable serving, I think, is, mm. is important. Um, and lastly, I think the, the other thing I would say um, that we can do is to be intentional, to be really intentional about how we engage and how we utilize these leaders who have moved on from their, their term as an exec or president or vice president mm. and how we can tangibly, intentionally engage with them in this new season. Yeah. And so that might be creating a, a, new, a new team. We have student leaders who lead a lot of our REAP groups and smaller events. We have the exec team who oversee the running and the operation of the ministry. Mm. Maybe you want to create a mentoring team where you say maybe in November you you asked people who you know are not leading in another capacity um, next year. You say, hey, look, we want you to be part of the mentoring team. 
And we want you to be intentional about caring for this particular leader or this particular group of older members or this particular young leader or whatever your campus mm. needs. And being very intentional with that because I think mm. when you when you do that, mm. um, it helps create um, clarity for them to, to stick around and um, be involved. Yeah. And I think adding on to that, um, being able to... I think this is especially something that I guess presidents and vice presidents will wrestle with. And it's this idea of delegation yeah. and how it's so easy for presidents and vice presidents to think, okay, because I'm the president and because I'm the vice president, I'm going to take it on, upon me and I'm going to cop the load and I'll do 60% of everything. And then the rest of you guys can kind of like spread out the 40%. Mm. And I think that's such an easy temptation because yes, you know, because you have, you know, the big dog role per se, <laughs> um, you know, you feel like you need to take responsibility of more things, but at the same time, you got to be very wary of how sustainable are you? Yeah. Are, are you as a person, are you going to be able to balance, for example, this 60%, this 60% throughout the whole year? You got to think, how am I going to balance this in my exam period? Yeah. How am I going to balance this in my mid-year holiday? Do I mm. want to have a break? Mm. Um, how am I going to balance this with my four subjects I'm doing? How am I going to balance this with my four group assignments I'm doing? Yeah. All these different factors come into play. And um, I think being able to give your execs and your student leaders specific roles that they can fulfill so they, mm. that they feel like they're playing a part in the vision as well is so important. And so um, this idea of delegation is so, so important. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it creates, it helps create that sustainable culture. Yeah. Um, because if the leader is doing, if the president in this case is doing 70% of the work mm. and everyone else is doing the remaining 30, chances are the president's going to get to the end of their term and mm -hmm. want to be done with it or yeah. want that space and need two, three years where mm. they just want to do nothing and be a member for a little while and that's not really creating that, that culture of sustainable serving so I think what you said is is very important so I think they're probably some of the thoughts that we have around that mm. so identifying why people leave particularly on your campus different campuses have different cultures so you want to be able to identify what it is on your campus mm. some examples we've given today are sustainability as well as being intentional and making sure that things aren't a little bit airy fairy as it were um, mm. and then two ways that we can combat that is creating the healthy culture and creating a, a team or, or creating an intentional role or position for them to serve in um, which is perhaps very few contact hours they may only meet with the leader yeah. once a month and that might be you know the dynamic you you discuss but creating that that culture is important and then creating an, an intentional way of engaging with the leaders who are about to to move on yeah well, we might move on to then the last question mm -hmm. for today. Yes. I know there are a number of questions that um, were sent in, James. I know you've seen them mm -hmm. and you're excited about them. Yes. Um, we'll just have to get you back for a bonus episode or something yeah. else in the future okay. to answer, answer that. But what we're going to do here is we're going to answer the last question. The last question is this. So is a uni ministry where leaders and members are friends around the same age as well? How can I approach sticky situations as a leader, but also maintain friendships? So I guess it's, it's really mm -hmm. talking about that dynamic of wanting to lead and having to have those, tr those difficult and, and, and tough conversations, mm -hmm. but also not burning bridges with, with, as friends yeah. and with the people that you lead. How would you answer that question? 
Yeah, look, we're going to go honesty again, man. Like, and Nodge and I just sat with this this question <laughs> and we're like, man, this is a, what, you know, what's, what's the fine line between like a genuine friendship and then a friend leading another friend yeah. in a ministry setting. Um, and so I'll kind of break this down into two sections where I focus on, you know, what it, what this sticky situation actually means um, and also how to maintain a friendship. Um, so I don't exactly know what this person is talking about in terms mm. of what sticky situation they're talking about, but I'll kind of cover a, co- a couple things that I might, that I think that they're covering and it is whether it be a disagreement between the friend and the friend. Uh, there's, a, there's a respect issue going on between the friends um, and then there's this also, there's also this idea of peer pressure as well. Um, and so before I approach like the two things that I want to talk about, I think something that um, I guess I like to remind uh, the usage leaders whoop, uh, <laughs> up the reds, um, the, the thing I, I like to remind them is to always say, as leaders, we want to be walking beside our members mm-hmm. instead of hoarding or standing above, above yeah, them. We want to be... We want to be within the sheep mm. rather than the ones who are kind of looking mm. over them. And I just, yeah, I guess it's it's that idea of servant leadership, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh, where you're you're part of the group and you're part of that, that that team. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and so when it comes to this sticky situation, I think one very big characteristic of a good leader uh, is being a friend, obviously. And when it comes to disagreements, as as we said before, um, I think it was in question one. Um, we need to have those conversations with our, yeah. with our friends. We need to, you know, set them aside and be like, hey, you know, why do you disagree? Whether it be um, something that the friend has said during um, a weekly meeting and it, it impacted you personally, um, bringing that up to your friend and, again, having the mindset of, hey, as a friend, I want to work this out with you, man. Mm. Like, I want to... I wanna, I want to make sure that we solve this together as friends instead of get not having that attitude of I need to beat you, I need to be better than you, I need to beat you in this argument. Yeah. Um, again, that that flows into the idea of respect as well. Um, I think when you're wrestling with this respect thing again, like and I of just like wrestling with this, what what is the fine line between um, leading someone um, in a ministry setting? who was also your friend. And so I kind of, this isn't a great example, but I'll use it anyway. Mm. Um, So uh, this is more towards, um, okay, I'll just use it anyway. Um, So say you're, um, as a leader, you're, you're leading a discussion group and you're, you're trying to, you're kind of facilitating how it's going and it's going well, but um, your mate who's in your group, keeps heckling you or Mm. keeps bantering and always tries to crack jokes. And although it's, you know, maybe you're okay with it, but you see that it's not okay with the other people in the group and that impacts you. And so I think the best way to kind of approach that is, you know, after the weekly meeting is over, you just go somewhere quiet with your friend and you have that chat and you just be honest to them like, Hey, um, you know, I don't mind you having fun in weekly meeting, you know, we're all about fun, but at the same time, the things you were saying during, during our discussion group, um, I saw that it really did hurt or impact, 
the mm. people in our group negatively mm. and it actually impacted me in how I was leading the group. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so being able to have those conversations is really important um, in those sticky situations per se. Um, and then again, maintaining a friendship, it's pretty simple. <laughs> um, it's continue to have fun with them yeah. and continue to play with them as friends and also um, when it gets to more of the, I guess, deeper things, catching up with them as friends, you know, mm. uh, you know, going out for a meal with them and not needing to always talk about so things, but actually talking about the things you're commonly interested in, yeah. uh, maybe things that your friend is actually struggling with personally and you want to be helping them out with. Maybe you've already been helping them with that for two years per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, coming back to the idea of encouraging as well, having that balance of having fun with them, but also saying like, hey, as, as your mate, I want to be there for you. I want to listen to you. You know, if you want to cry, I'm right here, man. Mm. And so mm. being able to say those things to your friend, mm. but also as a leader, um, is so important to yeah. live out, I guess, that Christian life. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that I've learned in, in, in my short time leading at So and in other spheres as well, when it comes to leading with friends, I think it's also helpful to be able to, as much as possible, draw a line to, to define what is friendship and mm. when you're communicating as friends yeah. and when you're communicating as a leader to a member or a leader who's leading another leader, etc. Mm. Um, I know with, with So Staff, we um, do this by communicating on different platforms. So all ministry communication does or, or should happen on Slack. Mm. James is smiling because it doesn't <laughs> always happen that way. But we, we try to communicate on Slack to make it very clear that the communication that's happening is ministry related Mm. as much as possible, which means that the dynamics within the ministry context are a little bit clearer. Mm. So if I'm communicating to James through Slack, it's a little bit easier for me to communicate as the leader of the department to a member of the department Mm. because those boundaries are already clear. Whereas if I communicate with him on Facebook or communicate with another staff member on Facebook or via text, it's a little bit different. That's mm. I'm communicating a little bit more as a friend. And so by differentiating the way and the platforms on which we communicate, we help to draw um, as best we can a line between when we're communicating as a leader or for ministry purposes and when we're doing so for mm. as friends or, or, or for a friend. Um, it's not always easy. Um, you know, James can attest to it. I can as well that mm. serving is difficult. Um, and you know, we want to, as much as we can try to keep ministry, ministry and, and personal, personal, there will be some times where they, they rightfully interlap in, in, interrelate or, or overlap, I should say. Um, but as much as possible where it's appropriate, we want to keep them separate. So we keep ministry conversations, ministry, and we keep personal conversations, personal. We try not to bleed those into, into each other. Mm. That can help, I think, to, to answer that question about when we need to approach a sticky situation as a leader where mm. I'm speaking to someone that I lead by creating those those lines in the sand, whether it be by communicating on a certain platform, sending them an agenda so they know that, hey, this is a meeting, not just a friend kind of mm. catch up. Things like that can help create a line and to draw a line in the sand that differentiate the two together. So I think that's how yeah. I would answer that question awesome well unfortunately that is all the time we have sorry all the the time we have um Mm -hmm. that's all we've got time for um there is a number of questions so i'm gonna put james on the spot here and say james you want to do a bonus episode in the next couple of weeks to answer those questions 
Let's go for it. Awesome. James is in. So look out for that. A bonus episode will come out sometime in the next few weeks. But that's all we've got time for today. I want to thank James for coming on the show. James, it's been a privilege having you here and being a part of um, this episode today. Yeah, it was good fun, man. Awesome. Well, as I've said, and I always say, We want to keep encouraging you guys to ask questions. These are questions that you have asked as listeners, and we want to continue to encourage you to ask questions. Every good leader is always someone who's asking the right questions to the right people. Mm. And so I want to keep challenging you, keep asking questions, keep seeking, keep being interested and pursuing growth in your leadership. And when we do that, when we continue to have that hunger, we will grow to be a generation of leaders Mm. that are equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we do. Thank you for tuning in. For more episodes or information about So, check out our website at so.org.au.